Today, we're going to do something a little different, but fun. We're going to look at Ian Fleming's short story, The Hildebrand Rarity, and how the character Milton Crest was mined from that short story and put into the Ian Productions James Bond movie, License to Kill. Hi, this is Dan. And Tom. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, your spy movie team bringing you the best coverage of spy movies in the world for almost five years. Our podcast is designed to enhance your viewing experience when you watch these movies. So take a deep listen. Okay, The Hildebrand Rarity. It's a short story by Ian Fleming in the collection For Your Eyes Only. It was first published in 1960 as a series in Playboy magazine. You know, of Fleming's nine short stories, six of them were serialized in magazines and in newspapers. I mean, so it included Playboy in the UK, the Sunday Times. And now we also see there's a secret connection to Playboy and On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I mean, if you remember, Bond is in Gumball's office waiting for his safe-cracking gadget to open Gumball's safe. He's flipping through a Playboy magazine, and he (laughs) takes it with him as he exits the office, looking at the centerfold, which really, when you're opening Playboy, that's what you look at. Yeah, sure. No, I read the articles. Oh, that's it. Okay, well, (laughs) I, I like the pictures. Well, it was an homage to Playboy. Now, of course, On Her Majesty's Secret Service was also excerpted in Playboy as well. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, Ian Productions has a history of taking pieces from Ian Fleming's novels and short stories and putting those pieces into their production of their James Bond movies. They just will take little pieces of them. Yeah. All right, so the property of a lady with a Fabergé egg shows up in the movie Octopussy. Quarrel in the Live and Let Die novel shows up in the first James Bond Ian movie, Dr. No. And today we look at Milton Crest, who is a main character slash antagonist in the short story, The Hildebrand Rarity. And we know he shows up in a big way in the Eon Bond movie, License to Kill, as Milton Crest, of course. Yeah. In the short story, Bond is finishing up an assignment in the Seychelles Islands. That's like 115 islands off the East African coast. And Bond has an extra week before a ship will be in the area to take him back to England. So... A friend oh, you of know, his. There, there are a lot worse places to be stranded. Yeah, well, Seychelles <laughs> are just pretty buggy and stuff in the book. All right, so a friend of his there, Fidele Barbe, tells him that he and Bond will join Milton Crest in a search for a rare fish, the Hildebrand rarity, that is only present in these local waters. So Bond agrees to go aboard the Wave Crest, a hundred foot yacht that's exquisitely furnished and well staffed. They will go look for this rarity because in the short story, as in the movie, Milton Crest runs a maritime research company. The Crest Foundation, a charitable organization that allows him to write off his yacht, and he owns a string of hotels, the Crest Hotels. He's put $10 million into this foundation. So Crest here is wealthy. Yeah, but he doesn't come off as a hotel magnet in the movie. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no mention of that. And he doesn't look the part there either in the no. movie. No. no. The plot of the novel is to discover this rare fish, among other things that they need to collect, and send them to the Smithsonian. So, Chris believes that money can get anything done. He's well, that, a kind of a snob and obnoxious. Yeah, and that, but that's a common theme of Bond villains, right? That's true. If they have the money, they think they can have the world the way they want it. Yeah. And so there's numerous villains we can think of, but I'm going to tie into one specifically because we're going to talk more about him later, is Franz Sanchez. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Because yeah. he thinks money can let him do anything he wants. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has a different uh, emphasis on uh, on what he uh, prefers, loyalty over money. So, oh, we're going to talk about that. All right. Anyway, Crest has his wife aboard the ship, the boat. They call it a ship in the in the in the short story. His wife is Liz Crest, and it becomes obvious quickly that he controls her, that her life now depends on Milton Crest and his wealth, and that it comes out she's kind of afraid of him. So from the short story to the movie, we have several elements that are taken. The character Milton Crest, the boat, the wave crest, the research facility that Crest runs, dealing with maritime research and more, exotic fish and the likes. The stingray, the whipping device in the novel, is about a three-foot whip made from the barbed tail of a stingray. <laughs> I would not want that hitting me. <laughs> now we see that in License to Kill as well. And pretty much the one on the receiving end of this stingray, in both the short story, maybe, and the movie, Turn, on the wielder of the stingray, eventually. And lastly, Bond doesn't. Yeah, well, like you, you know, you get you get whipped by that. You're not going to want to be putting up with that person for long. Yeah, but there's, there's seemingly some acceptance, right? And then lastly, Bond doesn't like Crest immediately in both the short story and in the movie. All right. Yeah. Now, th I think that I'd add the the wife is a bit like Lupe, right? Yeah. In that. Yeah. Except in 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 License to Kill, it's Sanchez, not Crest, who right. controls her. Right. So it is an adaptation, but I think this is another thing that they use from the Hildebrand rarity that they use in the movie License to Kill. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about Sanchez in a few minutes, but there, there is some connection there. So in the short story, Cress is a very unlikable American businessman. He's constantly insulting Bond and Barbie and is charming yet demeaning to his wife, Liz, who Bond quickly realizes fears Crest. Well, I mean, he's also unlikable in the movie. So when they brought yeah. the character over, he's not the most likable chap. No, he is not. So in the short story, it is Cress who owns the Stingray Whip, and he uses it on his wife when he feels it is necessary. He says, hadn't had to use more than one stroke at a time on Liz so far. Wonderful results. We call it my corrector. Oh, he keeps the whip next to their bed on his side of the bed. It's like, okay. Yeah, this guy now, really does sound like a jerk. <laughs> he, yeah, he's a jerk throughout the story in both the movie and the short story. Well, License to Kill, of course, even though we are not enamored with Crest, played brilliantly by Anthony Zerbe, we don't even think he's a nice guy. It's Fran Sanchez, Robert Dobby, who owns this Stingray whip, and he uses it regularly on Lupe, his love interest. She accepted it much like Liz Crest, Mrs. Crest, does in the Hildebrand Rarity. Lupe said to Bond when he sees the bruises above her butt, you recall. It was my fault. I did something wrong, made him angry. Yeah, Mrs. Crest thinks the same way, but despises it, I think, a little bit more in the short story. Now, you know, Dan, I, I do have to say, when you read stuff like this and you see things like that in the movie, there are some people that have a very different view on life than I do and how you should go <laughs> through life. It's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah. I, I can't, I just can't. There's imagine. a lot of control freaks. <laughs> I can't imagine what my wife would do if I pulled out. Yeah, well, we talked stingray. to Robert Tommy. He, he talked about these scenes too, and, and about that scene with the whip and, uh, 
And he said, hey, it could have been a little different. So hey, you listen to that interview. It's great. All right. Now, the prop is the well, same. He, al he, also, he also said that there were people who were writing him that they were getting into the whip. I'm like, Whoa. yeah, right. I know. Yeah, listen to that interview. It's it's a it's a good one. He talks he talks a little bit about this. All right. Now the prop is the same, but why is it given to Sanchez in License to Kill? Well, because Sanchez here is the main villain. He's the evil yet charming villain, and he does value loyalty more than money. And the loyalty he gets from Lupe, he gets with the Stingray. We see evidence of that in the pre-title sequence when he catches Lupe with another lover and he whips her with it. That's the scene we're talking about. Well, here. that wasn't that loyalty. Bobby talks about in the interview. Huh? That yep. wasn't loyalty from her. <laughs> but it is. I mean, she, that's what makes her loyal to him. She knows she's going to get whipped. And but the she, same thing, she wasn't loyal to him and she was getting whipped. Eventually, eventually. We're going to talk about that. So, you know, yeah, it's a controlling element for sure. So as you said, Tom, Sanchez is controlling Lupe in License to Kill, much like Crest does with Liz Crest in the Hildebrand Rarity. Now, uh, I actually think this was a masterful extraction of a device that was used in the Hildebrand Rarity, but literally put in the hands of the main villain, Sanchez, in License yeah. to Kill. I mean, it's masterfully displayed in the pre-title sequence, yeah. and I love the way they pulled this. They were pulling the Crest character out, but they took this aspect and put it on the main villain. I just thought that was great. Yeah, it is. It's a great extractor. And, and like I said, Ian Productions have done, and their writers have done a great job of this. So Crest and the Short Story is the main antagonist. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Everyone Purvis, hates. Pur Purvis and Wade weren't involved with this one. So, of course, <laughs> it's good. Oh, man. <laughs> Crest and the Short Story, of course, he's the main antagonist who everybody hates, including us, the readers. You read this stuff and you want to hate him immediately. <laughs> I mean, he's an evil man. He's obnoxious. He's villainous, and he'll stop at nothing to get his way. And he thinks, hey, money can buy whatever he needs. So he's a pretty obnoxious bad guy. Bond does not like Crest almost instantly in the Hildebrand rarity and also in the movie. He is immediately turned off by Crest. Right after he meets him in the short story, Bond thinks to himself, I'm not going to get on with him. He feels the same after he meets Crest in License to Kill at the research facility. He suspects him immediately. Well, part of that yeah. is you just have to love the way Ian Fleming writes bastards. <laughs> I mean, he does a really good job with them. Yeah, he, and, he does. And then in this case, he's transferred into License to Kill. And we'll still see a bit of a different personality because, yes, he's still a wealthy man. He's still running a research facility, which is a cover for moving Sanchez's drugs. Yeah. And he still has the wave crest. So we see him both in charge when he's dealing with his guys and totally not in charge when he's dealing with Sanchez. So he controls his guys, but he absolutely doesn't control Sanchez. Yeah. So we yeah. It, it's the same kind of thing in the, in the, in the short story too. the crew and everything else he has absolute control over. Yeah. So, so it's really nice. We get to see elements of his personality that were in the short story in the movie. So it's nice to see that. Yeah. In the novel, Crest is in his, 50s. He looked hard and fit, they say, leathery skin, tattoo on the forearm. But he had a voice like Humphrey Bogart. Anthony Zerby fit most of that, except the voice, and was equally mean and obnoxious. A lot of his literary traits were really kind of transferred to Sanchez, or at least enhanced by Sanchez. But Sanchez always played it cool, though, never seeming out of control and, and all that kind of stuff. He was and certainly was not an alcoholic, as was Crest 
in the short story, pretty much. Yeah, so, I could I could actually see Crest because he was drinking, right? So they, they oh, talked yeah. about that. So there's some of that trait that comes forward for Crest that didn't go to Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. When when Sanchez shows up at the ship at the and, yeah. and he's surprised, it was like, oh, he looks yeah, well. And Lupe's it. telling him, "Hey, you're drunk. Get out of here." Yeah, right. right. Exactly. So, yeah, and so he was a little bit of a drunk. So they took that over too, which was great. So if we look at the traits that got kept in the movie, Crest's first line to Sanchez after Sanchez escapes is, "Hey, <laughs> ready to go." We got the batteries recharged on the sub. It'll take you the 12 mile limit, fast boat to Cuba. It'll be there for breakfast. Yeah. So we can tell that he's working for Sanchez. He seems to be in control, wants Sanchez yeah. to know he's in control of the situation. He's yeah. a good planner. I've got everything ready for you, boss. And he has everything set to get Sanchez out of the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. He seems competent. Right. But Killifer is the cop who took the $2 million Sanchez bribe to spring him in the movie. And now Crest tells Sanchez here that he does not trust Killifer. And he says, I want to deep six him. <laughs> <laughs> now, Crest, who spent a fortune on this cover, is afraid that he says, hey, I'm afraid Killifer can finger me. So, wow. Showing a lot of what we say in the short story that he is ruthless and he's ruthless here as well. But this is where Sanchez tells him no, <laughs> and that he made a deal with Killifer and I'm going to keep my word. That's more loyalty. He's being loyal back to Killifer. So you have to like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but so we, we, in this, we get to see the two at odds with each other. So Sanchez tells Crest, which really foreshadows his attitude for the rest of the movie. And what's going to happen with Crest? Something you better understand, amigo. Loyalty is more important to me than money. Of course, we see this principle that guides Sanchez be the nemesis of Crest later, yep. involving both the concept of loyalty and money. Yeah. All right. When I say it's all about loyalty, not money, money's still in there. Money's still in there. Oh, yeah. In the short story, there is no Sanchez. The main characters are Crest, Mrs. Crest, Bond, and Barbie. But the mining or extraction of Crest from the short story fits perfectly into his character in License to Kill as a marine researcher and the smuggler for Sanchez. So the similarities are close, and the short story certainly helped develop the character in the movie. Anthony Zerbe is absolutely spot on as Crest. His face when they are feeding lighter to the shark says it all. His interactions with Bond at the research facility is perfect. Aboard the wave crest when Sharky is brought in and killed with the Bond chase that follows. All great stuff from Zerby Crest. And Zerby is a great actor. I mean he's been in Mission Impossible. Matthias, he was Matthias in the Omega Man. He was in Papillon and a lot more and tons of TV shows and, and series. Great actor. First rate here. Yeah, anyway. so he, he's a great actor, and I also think that this character was a great lift out of the short story. Yep. And he's at his best when Sanchez does show up at the wave crest, and he's shocked to see him. Brand! What a surprise! I didn't think you'd be here. Yeah, I like surprises. <laughs> yeah, that's a great moment. I mean, the whole setup Bond does to frame crest is great, and crest's conversation with Sanchez in the salon on board the wave crest, all bringing back the full character from the short story with elements in crest and in Sanchez. This was good writing. 
We know that Kress was responsible for losing $2 million of Sanchez's money when Bond escapes on the plane loaded with the cash. So now he must answer to Sanchez. Great. Yeah, that, that is. And I also think we see some of the uh, naivete of Crest that we saw in the short yep. story. He's assuming that others will go along with him and understand him because he's saying it. <laughs> right. But Sanchez isn't buying it. Bond set Crest up good. And the loyalty means more to me than money character trait of Sanchez that we discovered earlier is coming full circle here with Crest becoming the victim or the student of what that line means, right? Perceived disloyalty yeah. over the money. Yeah. Now, in the short story, Crest was very yeah. money motivated, and here yeah, he, he is set it. up. So it's a little bit different, but I, yeah, I like the yeah, way they tweaked that's it. That's a good point. Now, Sanchez, he asked Lupe, Does he have a safe? Not up here, maybe below. And he sends his guys to look around. So we know they discover the money in the decompression chamber, and well, we know Crest denies it, saying, That's not my money. I swear. That's right, amigo. It's mine. <laughs> it's like, okay. Great <laughs> moment. But again. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. You don't want to hear Throwing that. Throwing <laughs> guests into the decompression chamber and turning up the pressure, then axing the hose to decompress quickly. Yeah. We see Crest's face expand, and then the blood splattering all over the portal window of the chamber. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now, first time I saw this, I was like, yeah. yikes. I mean, that was that was quite a moment for me because I was a little bit younger, I think. At the, I was yeah. like in my 20s. Yeah, and when I saw that, it was because I, I didn't go to horror movies or anything like that. So when I saw yeah, that, I was now, like, Whoa. In reality, they used a prosthetic head that I believe was created by John Richardson's team made from a mold of Zerby's face. And the original scene was so gross and gruesome that the editors had to cut the scene shorter so as not to have censorship problems. So yeah, you have to admit, it was a far more horrific body explosion than what we saw of Kananga, for instance, in Live and Let Die in 1973. This was tougher. Yeah, this was this was tougher. But I mean, you talk about night and day. I almost thought the Kananga thing almost looked humorous. Yeah, yeah, right. Next to this, yes. I mean, yeah, okay. The guy, the, the guy blowing up and exploding is not humorous. But the way they did it with the, it, it really kind of almost appeared humorous to me. Here, there's nothing humorous no, there, about no, this there, one. It, it is horrific. And I like it better. <laughs> and, we, what we're, and what we're talking about this is because the death scene in License to Kill reflects the horrendous end of Crest in the Hildebrand rarity as well. So they brought over the horrificness of his death. Not the same method, but oof. The same concept. So the short story de definitely influenced the movie and the character of Milton Crest was a great mining of the Ian Fleming works from the first James Bond movie that Ian Fleming had done with a title not based on any of the Ian Fleming works. So this is pretty cool. All right. I think we've looked at this from all angles that we can. We hope that you enjoyed this quick look at the Hildebrand rarity and how it impacted License to Kill. Dan, it's also... It's a short story, so it doesn't take no, you that no. long to read. So if you want to go back off of what we talked about here and then go take a look at the story, which is a very different story than what is in the movie License to Kill, it's an interesting read. Short story is about 40 pages. It's actually a really nice book, a uh, paperback book on it. I don't know how old it is. It's called The Complete James Bond Short Stories, Quantum of Solace. 
and it's got all the uh, short stories in it. And it's only about 40 pages, so it's a quick read. All right. That's cool. That's a wrap. This has been Dan. And Tom. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app and to our YouTube channel, too. Lots of fun stuff there. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you spending time with us. 